decided to share my diary. My dear friend Poppy, or Pops as you probably know her, as that's what you'll hear me call her most of the time, suggested it would be helpful if I explain who everyone is. I have to confess that at first I thought it would be a terrible bore for you and a terrible chore for me. I mean, I'm sure that you're all sharp enough to have worked this out for yourselves, aren't you? I must confess that if not, I'm a touch disappointed in you. But anyway, as I pondered, I came to the realisation that Pops' advice is usually jolly good and that I do well to listen to it rather more often than I do. She will absolutely haunt me with that admission if she hears this. So, thanks to Pops, and do blame her if you don't like it. Here's a little squint around the principal players in my little drama. I suppose I'd better start with the old family. Do, well, do is my older sis. Although it has two O's, you just say do as in do. Oh, this is much trickier when you can't see it written down. It's short for Dorothy, but she's always been do to me. They used to see at school that do does which probably wasn't as frightfully witty as everyone thought at the time. Of course, last year Mr Porter wrote that song, and now everywhere she goes all our crowd sing Do, do that, voodoo, that you do so well, which I imagine must be a little wearying for her. Still, I don't imagine it will last. Anyway, Do is a darling. We're frightfully good chums, and of course we had the most wonderful time sailing down to Durban and back on the old city of Palermo. Of course, Do spent rather a lot of time with the ship's doctor on that voyage, and I think it's fair to say that Do did. But that's all in the past now, as she's seeing rather a lot of Percy. Unfortunately, Do is rather keen on golf, which is a thing I simply can't abide, but Percy positively embraces the golfing look, as well as the infernal game itself. Pudge, on the other hand, is the little sis, and that's something of which Do and I never tire of reminding her. It means she doesn't get to do everything Do and I do. You see, it's confusing, this Do business. For instance, she didn't join us on the old Palermo jaunt, as she was still being educated to some measure, and that was the cause of some contention, let me tell you. However, just after Easter, Pudge does get to come to Sidmouth with me, which is terribly nice. It probably is not quite the same as an ocean liner voyage, but I'm sure her time will come when she's a little older. Oh, I suppose I should add that she hates being called Pudge, but it's stuck and there's nothing to be done for the moment. She's not, though. Pudgy, that is. Mother is rather quiet. I know that's a little bit of a cliché, but what is one to do? I can't make things up, after all. She's a quiet woman. That's not to say she always was. I've seen old snaps of her wearing the green, white and violet get-out, you know, but now she's rather more sober. For example, Do and I went all the way to the bottom bit of Africa with Mother by sea, and we really didn't see much of her at all. Of course, the two of us were frightfully busy with drinks at the hooligans' table and dancing and, well, you can listen to the rest of what we got up to on the old sound diary thingamajig. Obviously, Mother is a dear old thing and we spend some jolly times together. She particularly enjoys a trip into town for lunch at the Troc or a drive into the country of an afternoon. However, she can't abide the theatre and rather disapproves of my auditioning and such. But she never says anything, as she's such a dear old thing. Pa. Well, obviously Pa is Pa and we love him. He can be a bit of a dry old stick, but we girls usually find our way around him, even if we have to enlist Mother's help from time to time. I don't think I'd better say any more about Pa. He likes to stay quite private, really. 
and I don't imagine he'd be exactly bucked to know I was telling you all about him. So, shh, mum's the word, so to speak. While I'm going through the family, it is of course unthinkable that I could leave out old Tommy, or Tom, despite him being more by way of a fox terrier than actual relative, as it were. He's my beloved companion for long tramps in Friary Park, or further into the country if we take a trip out in the car. Missing poor Tommy was the absolute worst thing about being away, and it was ripping to see him again on my return. Although he's a fox terrier, I really don't think much of his chances if he comes up against old Reynard. He's really a terribly soppy old thing. There are some other aunts and cousins and what have you, who one comes across now and again in the normal way of things, but I really think that's as far as I need go in explaining notre famille. Friends. Well, one has an awful lot of friends. There are school friends, then dance friends, family friends, and the people one meets on board ships, etc., as well as, you know, the sort of acquaintances. I mean, the ones you can take or leave, the Mrs Mackintosh or the Sisters Gabardine or whoever. There are really too many to mention all of them, so I'm just going to name a couple of girls who I would be simply lost without. First and foremost must be Poppy, or Pops, who I've already mentioned as being rather like my conscience, or at least the source of some good advice. That makes her sound rather dull, but nothing could be further from the truth. I absolutely adore old Pops. Of course, we met at school and have been the closest of companions ever since, even when we are apart and write letters. It was dear Pops who bought me the old Collins Royal Diary and got me into the writing things down, Lark. So, once again, it's all her fault, really. The best thing I can say about Pops is that we can be just sitting and sewing together or really doing some other species of nothing and we just roll along quite happily without the need to be particularly entertaining or anything. That can be an awful relief sometimes. My next best girl after Poppy has to be Molly. Molly is a dancing chum and terrific fun to be with. For example, at the back end of May we get a job together in a chorus line that old Mr S is putting together. I think Mr S likes looking at the girls rather more than is strictly called for, but that's by the bay. Anyway, we have a terrific giggle together, even though the job itself stinks to at least the middling parts of heaven, if not the very highest. Molly's splendidly well-connected in the business, as she likes to call it, so we have a ripping time popping into various matinees for free, etc. Also, she has a tremendous stock of rather doubtful stories, Honestly, I wish I could share some of them with you, but they are really just too much. You will have to use your imaginations. So, having taken you through family and friends, I suppose we'd better move on to the vexed question of chaps and their relative standing vis-à-vis -vis self. Martin. Ah, uh, poor Martin. We met on board the city of Palermo and had the most enjoyable of times on the downward journey. I'm rather ashamed to say that I think we might have scandalised some of the other passengers at times. Actually, I'm not really ashamed to say it. After all, this is 1930. As far as it goes, Martin and I got rather close. But at the same time, it was all rather sad, as he was off to make a life out there in Durban and not coming back. So it was all a little doomed youth. Oh, that's wicked of me to use that expression, isn't it? What with family history, brotherwise, and what have you. But I did feel most unsettled at saying goodbye to old Martin. I wasn't at all looking forward to the sail back up to the top of the world. I don't mind admitting it. Fortunately, a couple of days after bidding a tear-dampened goodbye to Martin, onto the ship pops a rather handsome fellow called Glen, and I rather like him. That said, to begin with I thought he was a bit of a cold fish, but, fish-wise, he 
he soon warmed up, and it wasn't long before we were manicuring each other's hands and having long chats about ourselves on those nights while we were at sea. Glenn is also rather good at deck tennis, it turns out, so that's the most decided asset too. Glenn also rolls up in his little car later on when Pudge and I are in Sidmouth, so that's a rather nice second chapter to that story. While I'm trolling through the bow that come up in my daily thoughts, I should mention a couple of others. First of all, there's Charles, who really is more part of last year's story, and thinks we're distinctly cooling already by January this year, when the scoundrel proved most incommunicative, when I was at least expecting a letter or two from him. Some lines expressing his undying devotion would have been the least one would have merited. So Charles is off the map, really, but I did run into him at the Wellsfords when I called in there, quite on the off chance in June. He was there pursuing Pinky Wellsford. Rather enjoyed making him squirm. La vengeance est un plat qui se mange froide, as our French amis say. Then there's Clive, who's rather new on the scene but seems rather keen. We'll see how that develops over the summer. I promise to keep you all up to date. Now, who else should I tell you about? It's my cooking week and there's an apple charlotte in the oven so I really only have time to mention a couple more bits and bobs of folk that you will meet. So I probably should introduce the Mathesons, who are friends of Pa and Mother's. If you ask me, they spend a rather indecent amount of time at Shea Fisher of an evening. One would think they didn't have a home of their own. Still, they make a four at bridge, which means that Pa doesn't try and dragoon me or do into that turgid affair, so every cloud, etc. Also, the younger Matheson, Roy, is really quite entertaining when he accompanies the parents. Roy introduced me to Creme de Monthe, for which I've developed quite the taste. Obviously, one also runs into actors and the like when at the theatre or having drinks on the town, but they can't be exactly called friends. For instance, Moll and I went to see a charity gala type thing, and dear old Henry Ainley and Lady Tree were there, reading some dusty old poetry, but one can't have everything. Also, they looked rather aged in comparison to their younger selves. Rather more thrillingly, I also ran into Dorothy Seacombe when having a little drink at the Brentbridge Hotel. I loved her in the third eye, but was too daunted to speak. Phew, one could go on and on. There are literally heaps more people I could mention, but that's enough to be going on with, I'm most sure. When the time comes, perhaps I'll do another of these little explanations about who I meet in the second half of the year. I do so hope you keep listening.